Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin, and we are back and better than ever, just like Scott McDonald. It was a weekend of shocks in the Premiership, Dundee are out of the bottom two, Sam Cosgrove is human, and Motherwell make it six on the spin. We'll be speaking to skipper Richard Tate about the Steelman streak. Also on the agenda this week, will Hickingbottom be a hit at Hibs? And a Rangers mince without Morelos. In the Championship, we pop into Partick Thistle later to discuss the return of the Mac. And joining me in the studio from Copper 90, feeling a wee bit cocky about predicting a top six finish from Motherwell, it's Laura Brannan. Is it too soon to say I told you so? Yes, and from The <laughs> Telegraph, a man who only yesterday realised that he is older than Stephen Naismith, yeah. it's the old man himself, JJ Bull. To be clear, I'm not that much older than Stephen Naismith. He looks older than me though. I look young. Look I I, yeah. I tried to kind of make you feel better by saying you look younger than. Yeah, I get ideas for stuff all the time. Yeah, like still. And I think it's because you have a decent amount of hair. Maybe yeah. I don't know. They always seem what? quite short. They're like you're five years older than me when they ID me in the shop. What's the age <laughs> difference between you and Stephen Naismith? I think about eight months or something. Figure that one out, folks. <laughs> Before we move on to the weekend's action, let's talk about an old plastic chestnut. Yes, nine of the 12 Premiership clubs have signed a PFA petition to get rid of plastic pitches. No prizes, folks, for guessing which three clubs uh, didn't sign that one. Yeah, well, I won't guess that. But... <laughs> Go on. Well, we so Hamilton, Livingston and Kilmarnock. Yeah. So, yeah, wow, but, what a surprise. But they weren't asked. Yeah, that's true. So you can't, we can't turn around and go, oh, well, these clubs are in support of it because this is the most ridiculous story. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is, this is purely an agenda driven by the PFA. This is not the players coming out and making a stance. It's a joke. So you're, you're for plastic pitches then? I've not really got a strong opinion either way. I can see arguments for and against it. What I am strongly against, though, is this being framed as a survey that has been <laughs> given to the players because nobody was asked a single question. The, what, 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 what was the question then? Do we know? So what happened was the representatives from the PFA went into the clubs and they were asked to sign a petition. So there was no anonymity about this at all. The union rep was just standing there watching and basically I think it was the captain had to go and pass this paper or whatever it was yeah. around the table saying sign this petition to show that everyone is on the same page here. So, well, so is, this, is this something where like, can you sign this? Yeah. <laughs> is that no, definitely? Because I, I heard that at Aberdeen they were, I can't remember who it was that said it. So Don Ball spoke about it. Don Ball yeah. saying, yeah, that he put in his his opinion, and other people we thought did exactly the same. Well, I don't know if a player stood up to it or anything. I've not heard anything in terms of players actually arguing against this. But when somebody's standing over you saying, I'm "Going to sign this," and you can't anonymously say, "I don't agree with this," you're kind of—it's peer pressure. Also, if it, if the question that they got given is like, "Do you want to play on grass or plastic?" <laughs> Everyone's going to go, "Well, grass, obviously." I don't think, but I don't think there was a question or a choice. I think it was a, piece so of a case of we're not. Is it just like this. sign for this package, please, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Ball? Do you know, yeah. Do you know when you sign for those things that come to your door and they're yeah. like, "Can we have your signature?" And mm. nobody ever puts their actual no. signature <laughs> on that little keypad thing. Do they and not? Just go, there's like three oh. lines you put on it. Oh, it's so I hard try and do to that. write on I it as well. I, I try to do it, but I'm like, ah, yeah. it, it is quite interesting because these pitches are allowed by FIFA. You know, there's plenty of English sides that use it in non-league football. A lot of pro sides have it, so it's kind of intertwined with real grass, so it lasts longer. Yeah. And it's say, uh, yeah. Stephen Gerrard says they're dangerous, but there's no actual scientific no. evidence to suggest that. And when you weigh it up against the financial benefits of it all. It makes a lot of sense to a lot of clubs, and a lot of people agree with that. But you've got Gary Holt, who's been very, very... I know I'm going through a lot of things here. Gary Holt went to Holland, I think, where places like Ajax use it. Yeah, and, nice that. Time. and he's Yeah, I'm sure he did. But he, he raves about them. And so his response to all of this was, what a load of... Fair enough. But this is how Iceland got really good at football, is that they put loads of artificial pitches in so people could train on them. And I think for kids to play, I think that's absolutely what we should be doing in Scotland. Like with the village I'm from, they took away all the people pitches, put car parks in. You can't play football in a car park, you can, but it's not as good as playing on the grass. There is this argument, though, that it's a generation thing, because right now the players aren't used to... They've not grown up with plastic pitches, whereas nowadays we've got five, six-year-olds 
doing nothing but playing on plastic pitches. Yeah. So when they become professional in 10 years, 15 years' time, is anyone actually going to be complaining about this? I talked to one of my friends. He's, um, uh, he's a coach for Scotland women's youth teams and he works for Aberdeen Football Club as well. And uh, I asked him, like, why do these players, why they don't like playing on these kind of pitches? And he says, not, not awfully sure. But like, Killy's pitch is quite old and been overused and it's not great. Whereas the new 4G pitches you get are quite sticky. So, you know, the ball doesn't roll the way you're used to. And the big problem that teams have with going away to places like Living Kilmarnock is the ball um, behaves in different ways. You should be able to just read the the slightest movement of a ball on a grass pitch because you're used to it and it doesn't really change wherever you are in the world. But if you're, you can have different surface types on 4G that affects where the ball bounces, how high it goes, how fast it rolls, which makes the game quite different. And I think that's the big issue that a lot of the players have. Speaking of plastic pitches, Celtic travelled to Rugby Park on Sunday and found it pretty difficult there, to be fair. But skipper Scott Brown popped up. Crazy scenes right at the end. Yeah, should he not have been sent off earlier? Uh, for, for the yellow card that he was given. Yes. I, I've asked the referee and he said he'd be sent off. <laughs> Your referee friend. Yeah. I think it was a, um, well, I mean, we'll be talking about quite a few tackles in this podcast, but... The way it looks to me is it's definitely a bookable offence because at he, least yeah because the, stu- the studs are up, but compared to say the Garuccio foul um, in the Motherwell game, mm-hmm. I don't think Scott Brown leaves the ground. I don't think it's two footed. I think it's reckless. But I red cards. I think he's in control. I, I, I think he knows what he's doing. He's very sly, and I think because it's Brown. Oh, often I, I think referees give him the benefit of the doubt because they're like, ah, it's just Scott Brown, isn't it? Well, so. there's a big debate of like. <sighs> Are we punishing tackling? Are we actually punishing the art of tackling? It's the side of the guy's legs. It's not really going for the ball. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand the studs are high, but I think in that instance, I think a yellow was a fair, a fair. Um, this is my award. issue, though. What you're saying is, where are we going to draw the line? Everyone is getting exactly. so tense about every challenge, and everyone is analysing every booking to the stage where you're like, well, this is still a contact sport. And I want these players to go out and hack each other to bits. Okay, I don't want serious injuries, but can we stop analysing every single challenge that everyone makes on each other? Because, yeah, okay, some were bookings, some weren't, and some are just good old Scottish no, football. I'm going to pull you up on that, because if Scott Brown does that challenge, and if I was refereeing that, it send them off, changes the entire game. But see, all, all these decisions that we've been analysing for the last few weeks, it's accumulating to what is makes Scottish football the rugged... And no, that's what's held us is. back for years and years and years. That kind of opinion, I think, because that's exactly what we don't need. What we need to do is play football on the pitch. That sort of stuff is quite funny, and it's quite good when your team does it to someone else, not when they injure them. To be clear, but when you go through a sliding, crunching challenge, that's good. I like it when they wipe the player out with the ball, and it's a funny challenge. Browns wasn't one of those. It was what it goes in, he catches his the yeah, quite I, dangerous, right? I'm and not, that's why I yeah. think it. And I, I know, I think I know what you're saying, but. I th- for this kind of game, it's so tight and Brown doesn't get sent off, so it's it's level all the way. I can't possibly presume what the referee's thinking in this instance, but he gives that a yellow because he's maybe not sure about it and it's a big decision to make. Oh, I don't want to make that against Celtic. And then later on in the game, when Broadfoot goes high up, I think if that was early on in the game, he wouldn't have sent him off. It would have been a yellow, so even though it's probably a red. So interestingly, interestingly um, after the game, the Kilmarnock goalkeeper, Daniel Bachman, uh, had an interview and he basically said, you know, it's funny when you play any of the big teams in Scotland, they get so much given their way. Yeah. Kind of referencing this Scott Brown incident and, and also then talking about Kurt Brockfoot, who was given a straight red card for his foul on Brown as well, I think. Yeah. Which I totally think is a straight red card. I think it is too, yeah. yeah it, it's high, it's reckless, and it's endangering Equally, because of that one on Brown, when it when it happened, I'm like, well, that's just a yellow then, because that's kind of the standard that he set with that, but he just seemed to go through it. It's almost like he's these referees must be so nervous, because like Laura saying, we're all looking at every single wrong decision or controversial one that doesn't seem to go the way I think it normally should. And then he's double-thinking himself, so he can't possibly make a free decision but it's are not, any of us really free though so, so but it's not just the the first booking that's the, the argument here Se- the second one is just as big a debate when scott brown scored the winner <laughs> he goes i mean 
you can't not laugh at Scott Brown's celebration. Like he is a funny guy when he celebrates. Yeah. A lot. He's of a guy you love like to hate. It, it's absolutely it's great. Funny. I love it. it's, it's an amazing celebration. And okay, the the Celtic fans then kind of swarm the pitch, and it's all a big celebration. And you have this argument of, oh well, you punish the player. Um, for creating chaos amongst the fans. And it's basically, the the rule is there because you do not want to endanger fans. So the leading player who leads the celebrations will always get the booking, not necessarily the other players who get involved. Yeah. So I think it's fair. I think as much as the the, the situation was the 90th minute of, of the game, tensions are high. Celtic weren't great in this game no um and and they get the winner and they go eight points clear and it feels like they've won the title so that's (laughs) this was a turning point this weekend i I personally don't think scott brown gives two hoots no i I feel as though this is a goal that we'll be looking back on come the end of the season as the the game changer this is the one that clinched it for them this won't be a popular question but looking at celtic and their you know charge for the title now if we look back to when rangers beat celtic you look at Celtic's performances since then. Mm. They haven't conceded a goal. They've won every game. That's Had six their cage games rattled, in a row. Andrew. I'm basically saying, was the title actually won at Ibrox? The <laughs> <laughs> Rangers win Celtic the league. It's just a massive kick up the arse, really, isn't it? I think they needed it. It's been so easy for so long. They, we've been saying all season long, though, three of us, that they're gonna, they were gonna run away with it in the end. Yeah. Maybe they won't get away for a little while still yet, but I think about now there's what's that, 13 games to go, is it? Something like that? And they've got to face Rangers at the end of March, which I think will be pivotal. Killy did really well in that game. Like they were, Excellent. The setup was perfect. You were saying to me it was quite a boring game by text message, whereas was, I, was, yeah. I thought it was quite fascinating. I like seeing how teams set up against Celtic to try yeah. and deal with them. Yeah, what, what did you think about Kamarnik, the, the way they'd set up against Well, it's very organised. It's what you have to do against Celtic. You can't sit too high up the pitch because there's too much space in behind, but you can't sit too deep because they just come at you. So you've got to find a good balance in the middle. And they transitioned well between defence and attack. They were solid. They attacked down the wings. Um, I thought they were excellent. However, I suspect they won't be quite as much of a a battle for Celtic as Valencia will be in the second leg of their Europa League Yeah, so, so they're 2-0 down after a really disappointing night at Celtic Park. It's not been a fortress for a very long time in Europe. Well, that's because they have worse players than those who are in Europe next to them. This is, this is another thing I wanted to say. When is somebody going to highlight the recruitment under Brendan Rodgers? It's been shocking. And it's having an effect on the European stage now. I saw a graph during the week after the result that showed that Celtic pay almost the same wages as Valencia to the players. Yeah, wow. and they are more so than, hold on, read out the list. Well, not so much the list, but they play more than the likes of Malmo, Rapid Vienna, Real Betis, Frankfurt, Sporting Lisbon, Villarreal, who all got better scorelines than they did on Thursday night in the Europa League. So they have the facilities to spend more and get in better players, yet they've got this friend of Brendan Rodgers has come in to recruit and who's he signed? You've got Peter Lawwell making loan deals with PSG and Man City based on his relationships with them now but then you've got Lee Congerton who's come in and signed Marvin Comper even if you look at the breakdown of every player that's came in under Brendan Rodgers there still hasn't been the same standout players as you look back to the likes of Neil Lennon's time where they were unearthing players like Ki Sung Young and Victor Wanyama and Gary Hooper it's just that's not the, the scouting, same impact though, isn't it? now. Who's in the scouting? Yeah, that, that's the, the but then thing. It's very the scouting po- team has, has completely changed. Every club in the entire world wants a scout as good as Celtic scouting team was back then. They were looking for them everywhere. I mean, Everton hired uh, Leicester's, uh, what's his name, Steve Walsh, I think, just purely to try and get that kind of thing in. Everyone wants what Celtic had. It's impossible to try and get it. I think the problem you've got as well in Europe now oh. is that European teams play a different style of football to teams in the UK. Like you saw even like Man United got found out by PSG just because they weren't clever enough. Oh, no, I totally players, get that. Like, but then you're saying hmm. everyone wants that scouting system, but Celtic had it. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. The form team in the Premiership right now is without doubt Motherwell. Six wins in a row for the first time in six years as a last-minute free kick from David Turnbull led to a 2-1 victory over Hearts for the Steelmen on Sunday. We're joined now by the Motherwell captain on the weekend, Richard Tate. Richard, you did have the heartskeeper to thank, but there's no better feeling than a last-minute winner, is there? No, uh, you're right. Obviously, I thought, I thought the Hearts goalkeeper had a good game up until that moment, so it's obviously disappointing for him, but, you know, selfish point of view, I'm kind of glad he threw it in a little bit. 
<laughs> yeah, what, what did you think had happened? Did you think David had just put it in the net, or did, what was your feeling when when that actually that goal actually went in? I was I was on the halfway line because uh, I'm usually back from set pieces, so I had a good view of it. But I just thought the goalkeeper was going to pick it up, and you know I think the referee would have blew the whistle if he'd kicked out his hands after that. But I actually thought he palmed it out out the goal, but it spun back in and. You know, I was just delighted when I when I seen the boys running off celebrating, so I went to join them. Richard, what's um, what's changed? Because like I think back to when I was I came back for Christmas and was at the St Mirren game uh, four days before Christmas, and that defeat to them it was just like everything was flat around the club. It was not the the you just didn't want to be around the place at that point. Whereas you fast forward six weeks and it just feels completely different now. What's changed? It's hard to really put your finger on it, isn't it? Um... A week in football is a long time, so six weeks feels like an eternity, really. So probably a big contribution is the young boys who have come in and, and they've kind of hit the ground running, haven't they? They've, they've done fantastic. Um, and it's kind of really galvanised the whole squad and, and kind of kicked us on to that next level. Has Robinson changed anything in training? Because in January seems to make made some changes where you're far more attacking now and less, uh, what's the word, industrial I just said perhaps in the first half of the season, but now you're playing some really kind of quite sexy forward football. Is there different things you're doing in training now to get that set up? Yeah, obviously we're working on different kind of things. Um, we're playing a different formation. And I think the players obviously banging in, in the window. You know, they're very attack-minded players. That You've got Bolly on the wing. Whereas if we'd played 3-5-2, it'd probably be me who's left wing back. And as much as I can go forward, I'm, I'm very much a defensive-minded player. Um, along with Grimmy on the right hand side, he would have been probably playing right wing back as well if he'd stick stuck to that formation. But you know the gaffer's got us playing, he's got us confident, and he's kind of tried to get it into us to build with the ball when we're in their half, and and don't worry about obviously building too much from the back. But if we can, then try and do that. It's a sort of a unit there with Hasty and Turnbull, even the likes of Campbell as well. Is it almost what 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 are they like around the place? Are they kind of taking control just now? Well, they're very quiet. They're, they kind of just, you know, they get on with their job, really. Um, I think they're quite different to a lot of the young boys uh, in terms of their attitude. Their attitude's fantastic. It's exactly what you need, you know, to progress in football and, and to get into a first team. I think outside of football, they live their, their life properly and they're fully focused on, you know, trying to get into Motherwell's first team for a start, which they've, you know, they've done and they've done well. Um, while they've been in there, but I think they've they've all got aspirations to kick on to that next level, and I think that's what keeps driving them. How did you find the actual uh, game against Tarts? Did you what was the biggest challenge you had going up against for you and your role? Big YouTube was a handful when he came across to my side. Yeah, so I, tried to, level, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to I tried to let Dunny handle him <laughs> instead of me. Um, I think it was more challenging when they when they they changed the formation. They kind of. They played a funny formation where they had four attacking players really high, um, and they just tried to try to batter the defense down, batter the defense down. And if that didn't work, and they lost the ball, they were they were quite open. I, I felt like the game was quite an open game anyway. It was it would have been a good one to watch on TV, I'd imagine. Is it tough to come up against someone like Stephen Naismith because it, it looked like he just got the better of you for his goal, but it was an excellent finish. Yeah, he done he done really well with that. Um, I actually tripped over myself, fell over. That's all. So you're trying to save it, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we didn't I want to see, to, but... <laughs> I thought he was going to shoot. I tried to just get my head in the way or something, but um, he missed and then he, he, he did an absolutely fantastic finish. Um, I think it just shows you, you know, the level that he's at. He's, he's a fantastic player and he seems to have only got better with age and experience. And, you know, for myself, I'm kind of round about his age or I'm kicking on that way. It's, it's nice to see that, you know, he's, he's still playing good football at his age when I was doing a bit of research today Richard um, I spotted something uh, and I realised that you and JJ have uh, a bit in common um, you both released cup final songs <laughs> or you were at least involved um, was it the the banter thieves are you a bit of a yeah. singer Richard you, you singing singing the dressing uh, room only, only in the shower when no one can hear really <laughs> uh, but you know the banter thieves wanted to do the the song for the obviously for the cup final re re released it didn't they? I think it was already a, it was already out. I remember the morning of the cup final, me and Grimmy were rooming together, and that song must have been on repeat about a hundred and fifty times. It was annoying by the end of it. Honestly, we we're we we're going about the room singing it, getting ready for the game and that. And uh, you know, it's nice to look back on, but I doubt I'll be getting a a call for a, a singing career anytime soon. Up the well, up the well, we will shout. Ask the Jefferson, sell to me the road.
I know some people have been talking about this with you. It might even have been myself. But Scotland, is this a pipe dream, Richard? Or is it actually realistic? Could you get a call-up? Uh, I believe in my ability. I believe that I, I possibly could get a call-up, yeah. Um, I think if I was to get that call and was to be asked to play for Scotland, then I'd definitely go in there and you know, I'd like to think I'd do the business. So obviously it just seems to be other people other than the manager talking about it. So... Until until that time, it's 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 just a, a pipe dream, like you say. If that day comes where the manager decides to to maybe pick me for a squad, then obviously I'd go there and I'd, I'd try and take the opportunity. We'll talk you up. Yeah, yeah we'll, sure talk, you we'll talk you up, man. We'll talk you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should move on and actually debate a little bit about that horrendous moment for Colin Doyle. You can't defend him. It's just it's it's one of those where remember a couple of weeks ago we were saying yeah. we felt really bad for Liam Kelly at Livingston. Yeah, I mean, he it's, knows. It's a shocker. He won't. He won't forget that for ages, will he? Last minute as well. He goes up to the Hearts fans at the end of the game yeah, and, and apologising. Yeah, he's just one for you'll be thinking about it all the time. Like, I know <laughs> there's times I've like missed like a penalty or something like that, and seven aside, and you think about it all the time. And you think, ah, oh, I could have just put it bottom left, maybe. Why not do that? Or you do something silly in a, like an elevens game. This is a pro, like, absolute elite game. <laughs> Like we can all cringe at it. I find it absolutely hilarious. It was very funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just hate it when moments like you just feel sorry for him, but at the same time, no, that's that's pure humour for me. Another big big moment for Hearts was when Ben Garuccio sent off um, yeah. straight red cards, two feet off the ground, and yeah, Craig Levine even came out and couldn't defend him. It's a silly. I think it was a silly choice of tackle. I don't know why he's jumping in. There's no need. Absolutely no need. We've had this debate already concerning Scott Brown and his tackle. Now this one is a little bit different for me, but it's created a bit of debate in, it's in, odd, in Scottish it? media, so feel free to give your take on it. I, again, I see exactly why it's a red card. I think he's he's lunged in. Um, I think he's jumped too aggressively. If someone did that to me when I was playing, I would hate it, um, and I'd want them gone. But it, it could also just be a rush of blood, and he's not... I don't think he's... It doesn't look too aggressive the way he's done it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's Yeah, so you, a lot of people are saying... He, he, gets the ball cleanly but is it not the way uh, and he goes into it yeah it's the way he goes in yeah. I'm like I'm not saying it's the wrong decision I'm just I don't quite understand the decision because yes he's got two feet off the ground but one of them is tucked way behind it's not like he's went in two footed Yes, but, literally but, but, two feet are off the ground, but it's not with the intent of putting the two feet into the player yeah but is the, is the kind of uh, debate more about the fact that he is off the ground so the fact that he's off the ground he's regardless of, of he's low two off feet the ground, though. Like, like I'm not I'm not. everyone is saying it's a red card I'm not going to argue like, against referees rules here I'm not a, a trained referee but I feel as though that one was quite harsh but it was and I think was... I'm maybe alone in saying that but I didn't feel there was the same intent and aggression that other people seem to be seeing from this that I, I can't really see it the same way. And it was just another kind of kick in the balls with the fact that that foul led to the actual yeah. goal being scored. Um, I think as well, because Hearts, like, they're really close to pushing to the, right at the top and this kind of result just sets yeah. them back so much and yeah. it's... It was, a, it was a, this was another, this was a really good game to watch and it was, it was... It was kind of end-to-end, but there was a really good midfield battle mm-hmm. uh, going on as well. Um, nice little play in the forward, like thirds as well. I thought the whole game was really fun to watch. Absolutely. Like, it was fun. And when uh, Jake Hastie's goal, it's just another moment of genius from him. And the thing is, like we saw a similar goal against St Mirren that he scored, mm-hmm. where he just kind of ran down the right side. And Mulraney has kind of taken away from tracking him. So he cuts in onto his left foot. And you're just thinking, have you not seen the St Mirren game? <laughs> Don't put him on his left foot. And um, it's Christoph Berra who run, yeah. just just has a little slip and you can't expect some him, strike on. You can't expect him to score from there. That's such a pinger. Like, how do you get that top? Yeah, but he scores further away in the St Mirren game. <laughs> you can't expect it. And, oh, Berra's been caught out. I'm, it's it was such a nice goal. Delight and delirium for Dundee, who for the first time this season are out of the bottom two. 
Jim McIntyre's men winning 2-1 at 10-man Livingston on Saturday thanks to a late goal from Scott Wright. We're joined now by Alan Patullo from The Scotsman. Alan, how much credit does Jim McIntyre deserve for this job he's doing? Well, yeah, yeah, a lot, I think, a lot. I mean, um, he's the one that put his reputation on the line possibly by um, going out in the, in the transfer window and uh, or signing effectively a new team. 11, 11 new players came in uh, in January and um, some people might have had some fears that this new team would take a while to gel. But, uh, you know, apart from a, a reversal at, at, against Motherwell at Dens and uh, a pretty resounding defeat at Queen of the South in the Cup, it's been a pretty... It's been a pretty quick transition, and, and um, obviously the, the the most important thing is they're picking up points, which they weren't doing at the start of the season, and well, for, for the first half of the season, really. Yeah, basically a whole new team coming in to mm. try and change Dundee's fortune. But Andrew Nelson and Scott Wright on the score sheet. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, I mean just just shows you what what having a you know a striker that that, that scores goals can do for you. Uh, I think Nelson's got four now since he came in um, and I was looking back at last season and to find Musa Dundee's number nine then um, I think had seven in total and I think three or four of those are penalties so um, yeah I mean Nelson's made a, made a huge difference and he's been uh, aided and abetted by uh, by Scott Wright the, the on loan signing from Aberdeen who who obviously uh, plundered the winner with a 25 yard free kick on, on, on Saturday so it's uh yeah, I mean, you know, football is fairly easy when it comes to winning games of football. You need people to score goals, and, and I think that's probably the biggest change for, for Dundee just right now. Apart from the players that he's brought in, do you see a change in approach in the games that McIntyre's taken? Because I think when McCann was there, they were really nice between the boxes, but yeah. dreadful either side. Do you think it's has he changed much in the way the team sets up? Yeah, well, they're certainly more direct if you watch them. I mean, that was... Uh, I mean, you know, it's difficult. Neil McCann, a legend at Dundee, amongst Dundee fans and as a player, and, uh, you know, he came in with these ideas of playing football the right way, passing out from the back, and it was good to watch. When it worked, it was good to watch. But when you're struggling at the bottom of the league, you know, it's hard to hard to play that kind of football. And I think McIntyre has, has seen that. I mean, his, his reputation has been built on um, steering uh, teams like Ross County away from relegation and um, you know I think he knows what's required he's, he's come in and brought in players like well Martin Woods who's in midfield is a bit more of a um, a sort of steady uh, player who, who comes in and, and provides some physical kind of um, uh, impact and uh, you know you can tell that, that that's the way he's, he's based his, his team around players like that and um, I'm thinking sort of Horsfelt's coming at right back from Cammy Carr and, and it's very very obvious he's just sort of um, putting balls down the right flank for, for strikers to run onto. So yeah, it's, it's certainly it's certainly more direct and uh, possibly uh, when you're struggling in the bottom of the Premier Division that that's the way you have to go. You have to forget ideas of, of playing like uh, Brazil 1970, I think. Why, why are Dundee so much better away from home? than at Dens Park. So they've actually got mm. a better away record than a home record this season. Yeah. Explain. Yeah. You know, that's interested me for many, many years. I mean, I think if you look, you know, not just this season, go back a few seasons, Dundee's record at home has been pretty wretched, it has to be said. Um, I've often wondered about that and it's uh, it's difficult. It's difficult if you're Dundee owners trying to sell season tickets at the start of a season when, when the, the record, the home record is, is so poor. And um, I don't know, I think there's a combination of reasons. One, one I always think is that the pitch, the pitch is a, is a really good pitch. Ask any players they always say oh they like coming to play at Dens and so I always think that um, you know coming to Dens Park for the opposition it's, a, it's actually a bit of a pleasure sometimes because the, the actual pitch is a good quality pitch um, again you have the usual considerations like fans getting on the players back quite early on which you know happens at Dens like it happens at many grounds around Scotland but uh, but I always think Dundee fans can be can be can be particularly harsh so sometimes I think it's a, a release for, for players to to play away from home. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I mean, I think you can factor all these considerations in, but in order for Dundee to progress as a football team, you know, not just this season, but going forward, they're going to have to get that sorted, whether it's at Dens Park or whether it's at this new, new ground they're talking about moving to. So maybe... I, I have my reservations about leaving Dens Park, but perhaps when it comes down to just winning football matches, perhaps going elsewhere might be a... 
a good a good thing and you know try trying to lock uh, a new ground because uh, this has been a problem that stretches back quite a few seasons. You're putting at risk my dream scenario of a Dundee Derby in the playoff final. Are you guys thinking <laughs> yeah, that far ahead? Your, your, dream, your, your dream scenario, I think a lot of people's nightmare scenario. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember I remember so, the relegation a few years back. So. Yeah, but, um, I mean, a, a, a special night for Dundee fans. But but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I know the playoff would be quite a, so the neutral would be quite a tempting uh quite a tempting and uh, you know thrilling thought but I, I just think there's too much to lose Livingston still have a 13 point buffer between them and 11th place but you know we talked about them being in free foil but free foil free foil, <laughs> free foil. they give uh, out the games yeah. <laughs> yeah no they are they are showing the kind of form that we expected at the start of the season but that first half of the season that's made them safe they'll be fine but has it I can't see it happening the, their their start of the season has been the biggest buffer possible. Yeah, well yeah, let's safe, yeah. let's let's talk about Sean Burns' red cards. Um, fourteen minutes into the game, that pretty much put Dundee in a kind of it's good re- opportunity. It's quite a funny game, challenge as well. What the hell's he doing? Oh, it's horrible to see. Was it this, doesn't this, catch him properly? But he comes in like why is it? Why is his foot? So we haven't seen it. His foot comes just above like waist high. It's right up there with the whole brown broadfoot. Like um, these challenges are high boots right now, high challenges. It is uh, in the same bracket, but he catches his hand. Yeah, it's really strange. It's odd though, because even though Livingston went down to ten men, they took the lead. But there was another contentious moment as well. Uh, Stephen Lawless being booked for simulation um, when he was brought down by Jesse Curran in the box. What do you think about this? The dive. Was that was that too brutally honest? <laughs> You think it was a die? Yeah, I do. I, I think that was a joke. Of JJ, a have challenge. you seen this? Yeah, I. I... <laughs> okay, not dive. Dive was. I was. I was being very brutal and uh, blunt there. Um, he makes a meal of it. I think I. I, I can't <laughs> disagree with you more, Laura. That this is a penalty. There is I'm clear sorry, contact. He crumbles inside no, the box, no, and Stephen Lawless no. has got previous for this as well. Uh, Crumbling but, inside the box at the slightest. This, this, isn't, this isn't Luis Suarez who always bites people. This is this is you can this see is he's just going a, for the ball. You yeah, can see he's trying to get up. And you're, you're I like, don't think he has gone for the ball though, because the exact moment he goes down. His feet are in a position where he's he's made his mind up. Nah, Laura, you he's not putting that. his foot you forward. Imagine you're in that situation and you just like so you're with the balance he's got there and you're trying to go for it and you just can't because you've got this attention that's bringing you down. Look, we're watching it right now. Look, contact stops him. What with his knee? From, from progressing. Yes, mm. that is it. Listen, mm. if I was going to end this chat in any way. <laughs> Dundee will need moments like that those little moments of luck that get you through games luckily they play in the Scottish Premiership (laughs) (laughs) where the penalties don't matter and the points are free (laughs) he is going to win he is going to win Bando I said he is going to win he is going to win that's the sound of Aberdeen's Don Ball serenading top scorer Sam Cosgrove. But it was a mixed day for the 2020 Ballon d'Or winner on Saturday, conceding a penalty before grabbing the equaliser as the Dons drew 2-2 with bottom club St Mirren at Pitodre. Yeah, Don Ball can sing, by the way. She's been working harder on his defensive positioning, I think. What? Why do footballers not always spend their time doing defensive positioning training? That's what I think. Yeah? Well... Why did you say it like that? Because some people actually think stuff like that. <laughs> Dude, you know, like you've come across loads of moon hillers in your time, I'm sure, but they all are just desperate to like. They don't understand that players are human and just like fanny about like normal mid twenty year olds do. Wait, you stole ball making up stupid songs. We need to be learning how to hit the ball a goal better. <laughs> right. Okay. Right? Um, well, can we move away from that and talk about yeah. Kyle McAllister? Great goal. He played really well, McAllister. He did. He stood out for me. He's one of the best players on the pitch. I think. Aberdeen didn't really turn up. I think they played about 70% of what they should have done. St Mirren uh, weren't amazing, but they got there. Got the result. I don't know what the hell Sam Cosgrove was doing. So he gave away a penalty yeah. by um, the, the ball is near the goal line. It's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> and he picks up the player and throws him to the ground. He's well, just, he's, he's just sort of like celebrating, like, yeah, <laughs> you tell your mama. <laughs> Why are Aberdeen starting so slow? I don't know. They just don't have that. 
that bite sometimes when they go into games. I think, I don't know if sometimes the shape that McInnes puts them in doesn't maybe suit them as well. I think he's still figuring out where Greg Stewart goes. He's better in the middle, but he needs to be able to come into the middle from a wider point of, you know, a wider starting point. And this shape he's playing was a was a back three with two wing backs and then two midfielders and then the other three to sort of do whatever they want. Yeah. So Cosgrove's sort of a, a lightning rod where they meant to hit balls towards, but the, the distribution was terrible and he wasn't able to take anything down. And then... Um, Stewart wasn't really able to get involved too much when he did the final ball when he wasn't happening and everything they were throwing at St Mirren was getting repelled we've got um, a great stat here from the absolute legend that is uh, David Todd 15 goals in 14 games for Cosgrove Mm. but two years ago at the weekend gone by Cosgrove came on as a sub for North Ferriby United in the National League against Dover in front of less than 500 people my god he's doing a lot better now (laughs) Yeah, um, I, we brought this up a couple of times now, but Cosgrove's XG is weird. His XG expected goals is 7.86. He scored 14. So he's like double what he yeah. should be. It's got to level out at some point. Either he's that good, which I don't think is the case, or he's just going through this ridiculous purple patch where he's scoring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of goals. Um, we should talk about St Mirren, um, who that's a vital kind of point. They were unlucky actually, you know. Yeah, I think it says a lot that Owen Kearney said he was disappointed not to yeah. maintain the league the lead. Um I mean yeah, he would have taken this result before it, absolutely hands down, but to lose it in the manner like so late on as well, I just think that would have been a huge three points for them, but definitely one was a bonus if, if nothing at all. Did St Mirren show enough in this game that they've got enough fight for this relegation battle? <sighs> I mean maybe five pr- points off just now. It's only two wins though, isn't it? Like, I know. They're okay. They're they're. I think Kearney's not doing a bad job at all. I think they look okay sometimes. Um, they still exceeded on their set piece, didn't they? In this game, they just can't defend those very well. And I think that's not down to coaching. I think that's individual responsibility and how you get rid of the ball in the box. So they're always going to concede set pieces and letting goals. How else are they going to stop conceding? I I I don't know. There's enough about them. I think they're really in. They're still, we said they're in trouble all season, but it's all time. Well, if we're calling Celtic as champions, we can definitely do the same for our broth. Here's Neil White with the best of the action from the Championship, League One and Two. Hello everybody, it was another more than decent weekend for Ross County. The Championship leaders made it to the final of the Challenge Cup on Friday night, seeing off East Fife by the odd goal in Dingwall, and a very odd goal it was. Daniel Armstrong sent a corner straight in for the first goal in a 2-1 win. County will play the Nomads of Connors Key in the final on the second last weekend of March. The Nomads beat Edinburgh City on penalties in Wales on Saturday. While that was happening, Air United missed another opportunity to regain the top spot in the Championship. They drew 0-0 with Morton and Greenock. County have a two-point lead and now a game in hand to boot. And the leaders may be less concerned with Air these days than they are with Dundee United, who continue to gather momentum after a gnarly 1-0 win at Queen of the South. Barry Maguire, on loan in Dumfries from Motherwell, was sent off for a foul on Peter Paulett that produced the game's only goal. Nicky Clark converted from the spot late in the first half. Partick Thistle moved from last to eighth with a 2-0 win at Alloa, who replaced them at the foot of the table after their fifth consecutive defeat in all competitions. League One and the bottom two got out of the relegation and playoff spots with huge wins. Dumbarton won 3-0 at Stranraer, their first victory since December the 1st. Brecon go up two places to 7th after Evergreen Andy Jackson scored the only goal at Airdrie. At the other end, we can just about call it for our growth after Colin Hamilton gave them a 1-0 win at second place Wraith Rovers for a 16-point lead. It's been a phenomenal season for Dick Campbell's team and they are surely heading for the Championship. League 2 and while Edinburgh City licked their wounds on the way back up from Wales, all three teams in the playoff places below them won. Peterhead are one point back with a game in hand after a 2-1 win over Queen's Park. Clyde have also played one less than the leaders and they are three points behind them. Clyde won 1-0 against bottom-placed Albion Rovers. And Annan Athletic won 4-2 at Cowden Beef, which stretched their lead over Sterling Albion in the race for the final playoff spot. Two goals in the last 10 minutes for Annan, and two in the last 10 for Elgin in their 3-2 win over Sterling, 
made a huge difference in that picture. As you just heard, Partick Thistle won their bottom of the table clash at Alloa on Saturday to leap up to eighth in the Championship. We're joined now by our old friend and Jags fan, Matt Greer. Matt, there's no doubt about the major story of the week. You know, Scott McDonald coming out of retirement to sign for Thistle. He's 35 years old, former Celtic striker, hadn't played since May. He comes off the bench and he makes it 2-0 on Saturday. What a signing. Oh, it's a great signing. Uh, there's been rumours that McDonald's been joining since Caldwell took over. Yeah. And to be honest, I think quite a few fans would have been a bit disappointed if we'd signed him before looking at other targets. But now the transfer window's opened, but you're just dealing in free agents. And he's really the best free agent striker that was around. And he's he's obviously match fit. He came on on Saturday, looked good. Uh, he knows Gary Caldwell will buy into his methods and he got a goal, so it was a perfect start on Saturday for him. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, though. Would you have been saying that last week? Because, I, I mean, I got, I got a text from my friend when he signed, who's a Thistle fan, and he wasn't best, please. And then I quoted back the text to him on Saturday evening and he just had to eat humble pie, basically. <laughs> no, I think if he signed you on the transfer window and we hadn't pursued other targets... I think it would have been a bit short-sighted. But once the transfer window closed, you are just dealing in free agents. sorry, And it's only a deal to the end of the season. So I think me and most of the Thistle fans I speak to are quite pleased last week when it was announced because we were a striker short really coming into this latter part of the season. What else do you make of the job that Gary Caldwell's done? Is he What's he done to reverse the fortunes of Partick so far? Um, he obviously had a tough start. He went in quite a lengthy uh, losing streak. Uh, most of the fans that were on his side during them were saying, let him sign his own players and that's what he's done he's brought in his own players for most of the winning run that we've been on we've been playing a back three and all three centre-backs are Gary Caldwell signing Stephen Anderson probably the most notable he's been superb since he came in from St Johnson and then Stephen Saunders and Jack McMillan either side of him so his recruitment's been great he's brought in Gary Harkins as well Ali Roy up front and Connor Hazard and goals and then you add in Scott McDonald so I'd say his recruitment has been what's turned things around at Thistle yeah it was a massive game at Alloa um, you started the day bottom of the table but winning that game you know you move above Alloa and Falkirk so what's the feeling amongst the fans now is it is it it's obviously much different you know from a few weeks ago but do you believe the squad is there to to stay in the championship and maybe even challenge for promotion next season I think the squad is there to stay in the championship it's such a tight league like anything can happen you look yeah. at it from fourth all the way down to Alloa, really. Anyone could finish anywhere. But we've got Ross County on Saturday, and you could say that's our first big test since we've went on this run. Yeah. And if we beat them, we've got to look up, really, because we could just be five points off the playoffs by then. It's also the chance of a Scottish Cup run as well. Oh, yep. We've got a home tie against Hearts, which is really just about as good a tie as we could have got. If we had, Obviously, a championship team would have been good. But apart from that, we've avoided Celtic, we've avoided Rangers and Aberdeen. And we've got a home tie, so it's probably our best chance of a trip to Hamden in over a decade. It's been a long time for you guys. Is it something that you're kind of thirsty for? Or you're saying, is it just like all about league business? That's all you're caring about? I think there is an appetite to fans for a cup run. We've not been to Hamden for a semi-final since 2002. I think if we were offered a Scottish Cup win for relegation, I think most fans would take it. But I think if it was staying up, against a semi-final staying up is definitely the priority but it's a good game to have obviously the cup we've used the cup to build momentum the Stranraer game in the fourth round that was our first win and then we won at East Fife which was our first away win with a clean sheet so you know we've used the cup for momentum if we can beat Hearts that'll be another boost to momentum hopefully to take us into the last few games of the season One of the best stories this season is definitely when um, Caldwell organised this um, this day out for the players and they got ended up getting kidnapped by the SAS. Um, Yeah, it's the best. It's it's, it's just quality. Um, But there was some suggestion that Caldwell didn't know that the the SAS were going to kidnap the players. Did you hear anything different? I didn't hear anything different. He's definitely used it to try and weed out some of the the weaker characters in the squad because <laughs> it was Bryson Twamby he was the player that ran away yeah. and he did th- three men to pin him down he's been released Jack Storer <laughs> who started crying he's been released so I think that was definitely oh one God. to seek out the strong characters for the second half of the season I think I'm cute I know I'm sexy I've got the looks the drives are cool while I've got the mood 
That right there is the entrance music of WWE legend, the Heartbreak Kid, Sean Goddamn Sexy Michaels. Why are we playing that though? Because Sean's real name is Michael, the Goddamn Sexy Heckenbottom, and it was a sexy start for Paul Heckenbottom at Hibs. I have no idea what's going on. It's his first match in charge, and it was a 2 0 victory over Hamilton. Yes. 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 Well done. Florian Camberry and Mark McNulty on the score sheet before half time. Is this a sexy appointment? I was not particularly, um, well, I don't know what the word is, enamoured. I am, as a, you know, a total neutral to this, obviously. But having done a bit of research recently on managers and how they break through and when they tend to peak, managers have generally won something big by the time they're 43, whether it's like a league title or a cup, something like that. Um, Heckenbottom is 41. And as of yet, he has won. I mean, the playoffs maybe counts. Do I count the football league trophy? Yeah, do you think that counts? Yeah, of course it does. I don't know if I put that into my my bracket list of a domestic cup, but I guess it maybe counts. Anyway, he's got a bit of pedigree there. He's forty-one, so he's in the right kind of age group to do well. But his win percentage at the clubs he's been at is not um, phenomenal. So his last job before Hibs, he's at um, Leeds for a very short period of time. 16 games. So 16 this, games, so yeah. Is he the man who gave way for Marcelo Bielsa to come in? Yes. Right. So we didn't leave on a high note at Leeds. I mean, I wouldn't mind if Marcelo Bielsa took my job here. I'd be like, that's fine. Bielsa's next level. He's one of the he's a champions league manager world. Yeah, yeah he's elite he's elite I never thought we'd be talking about Bielsa in the same section as Hibs absolutely Bielsa will be in <laughs> why Scotland why did they not soon. get him he'll be here next do you know what the funny thing is I wouldn't be surprised if Bielsa did come to Scotland genuinely the guy's nuts <laughs> and our league's not so he's when he's probably looking at going when he when he was manager of um, Marseille yeah. he used to just sit on a, on the, the water cooler wow that's crazy just watch the game right on the line um, watching on a water cooler. Apparently, you get a better view from there. A lot of managers do that. They get to a certain level. On water coolers. <laughs> well, it's exact eye level you get. I think. Yeah. I, I He's a bit of a loner. I've, I've got read. a documentary on Bale actually um, last year with Copa ninety, and I just I find them absolutely fascinating for somebody who has that many fans around the world adoring him yeah. from all corners of the globe, yeah. from everywhere. He's, he's not even actually won that much. He doesn't have a lot in terms of... Why are we talking about this? So anyway, yeah. Paul Heckenbottom. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you this is like Heckenbottom's like worst nightmare. Like Everyone just talks about Bielsa and forgets about Paul Heckenbottom. So, Paul Heckenbottom, you're new at his. Tell me, what was Marcel Bielsa like? <laughs> but yeah, so Heckenbottom is um, 25% win record at Leeds, 27% at Barnsley. That's not, that's not great. Like, you're great... Your, your good managers tend to be above 40 something percent and he's not cut it yet but this could be a good chance because Hibs is a big club came through Man United's youth team as a player yep. he's not a huge name and his record isn't amazing but there's clearly talent there and there are managers who just often need a chance to prove what they can do and the English lower leagues is just a nonsense it's a yo-yo kind of boomerang weird world where names don't matter and anyone does anything but yeah we'll see what he gets on at Hibs uh, who got a good win at Hamilton, but again, it is Hamilton who are playing their new attacking style of football, which doesn't work equally as well as the defensive style of football they were doing before. Needs a little bit of time for that to work, I think, but are they going to get it in the Premiership? I don't know. Well, let's move on to Rangers against St. Johnson. Rangers were facing something of a striker crisis uh, going into this game, um, but despite Jermaine Defoe and Kyle Lafferty being past fit, Gerrard's men couldn't find the back of the net and a goalless draw with St. Johnston. Definitely, definitely missing Morelos. Yes, there is no yeah. doubt about it. He makes them much better. Without them, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of work done, but without uh, I don't know the words guile. There's something there's something missing. There's a big spark missing. And sure enough, like Morelos gets himself into trouble sometimes. But I like that he's got that competitive spirit. Like he's another one of those players that you, if he's not in play for your team, you like him. That's all fine and well. Mm. But when you're missing six games of the season like he has done this season. He's got himself suspended. Rangers then appeal that red card that he got against Aberdeen and he's going to miss another... He's got one more game to miss now and, and Rangers are struggling. Sure, They've but he's won them points in his own already so without him they would have been worse off as it was. Well, yeah, that's that's fair. I think they were just massively missing leaders on Saturday. Well, that's what Steven Gerrard said. That yeah. was his big quote he, of the weekend. You look through the, the team, who there is meant to be the leader? Steven Davis? But he's not even match fit. But it's not, it's not just that. It's I, like it's like characters Arfield. that you want. Tavernier, I 
I, mean, I don't know the guy personally, but he comes across really quiet. Maybe, but there's different kinds of leaders you've got. I, I completely agree. But um, without Morelos, that rugged sort of drive at the front, I think they also miss McGregor, who is the loud leader at the back. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's that, That's you, a good that point. aggression in your team, yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. McGregor's been awesome this season. Yeah, and That's he a... is the voice as well. And I just, I looked through that. Squad. Fodderingham as a goalkeeper That's what the song's about. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love McGregor. a great You're the voice going goal... to punch. <laughs> Fodderingham looked good, great goalkeeper. Um, I wouldn't be worried if he was in my team in terms of skill and ability, but he's not the voice that McGregor is. Okay, maybe leadership is a problem at Rangers. But if we're going to be talking about goals coming from Morelos, you need to look at where the other goals are coming from. So James Tavernier is their second top goal scorer. Yeah. He's got 12 goals and 11 of them are penalties. Yes. Which, I mean, we've talked about that before. Um, Scott Arfield's got six goals. He's basically a defensive midfielder as well. The ball winning midfielder, yeah. Yeah, so Rangers are... Well, shooting themselves in the foot a little but bit. But then, how much the how much of the blame goes to Gerard, right? So he's brought in his ideas, and um, his ideas don't seem to be particularly revolutionary. They are very simple. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, he plays a back three. Sometimes it's mostly a four-two-three-one, or mm-hmm. occasionally just you know, there's there's only so many different shapes you can play. But Rangers, there's nothing you go like, wow, that's amazing. They're doing something totally new here. Um, Gerard is just doing what he knows as a manager. And what I think he's maybe finding now is that he doesn't have a Steven Gerrard on the pitch <laughs> to do the things that he would often do. He can't just like win the game on his own. He's not on the pitch in the last five minutes hitting Hollywood passes towards you know top strikers. He's got to build the chances somehow. Morelos is creating them for him because he's such a good player. Mm-hmm. But they are struggling because teams do raise their game against the Rangers. It's a big team. Everyone raises their, their game. And St. Johnston certainly did that. Exactly, uh, St. Johnston are great at this. St. Johnston probably had the... well. They didn't probably. They had the best chance of the game when Blair Alston was kind of through on goal. Fodering comes out way off his line and Blair Alston hits the bar. So it's like St. Johnston could have won this game. Yeah. Only Celtic have kept more clean sheets than St. Johnston this season. This is what St. Johnston are very good at is frustrating and containing and then taking chances uh, on the counter. Not necessarily the counter, but they'll get forward and they'll get a chance and they'll... I mean, they hit the crossbar here. But... Against a team like Rangers, they don't have that creative spark, so they can't open up teams. Aberdeen struggled with it in recent seasons because teams sit deep against them, and without a, a 10 especially, able to unlock the, the final door to get through to the last boss, mm-hmm. then, they, uh, then they're just stuck. And you can either you can beat them with pace, actual pace by running, but you need to be sat a bit deeper to hit them on the counter so space in behind to run into, which Rangers can't do because everyone sits deep. Or you can hit them with fast passing and stretch them apart. And they don't really have the players that are good enough for that because those players good enough to do that cost way too much. That's it from us. We'll be back on Monday looking ahead to another round of midweek games. Hearts look for another win over Celtic at Tynecastle and we'll speak to you then. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.